okay, cool. So, Jax, before we close up, we've obviously 2021. I'll ask you if you don't mind sharing one of your personal goals um, with us. And I'll do one. I'll do one for myself as well. Yeah, so um, one of my personal goals is... Hello and welcome to Woke Finance, the podcast talking about all things finance and finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host, my brother Jax. How are you, bro? I am great, mate. Happy New Year, PR. Come on, come <laughs> on, come on. 2021, we've made it. Happy New Year. I'm feeling good, bro. It's a new year. Um, technically, it's just another day, but, you know, uh, <laughs> we have to get excited when we can, especially with the current season that we're in um, yeah. as well. So, yeah, man, um, I think for me, so it's a good time to do your usual goal setting. I don't really have New Year's resolutions, but I guess a new calendar year is a nice time to really uh, reflect on the previous year and look forward to uh, the next year as well. So yeah, it's exciting times, man. I've been reflecting and planning. So I- I'm-, I'm good, man. What about yourself? Same, man, same. I mean, oh yeah, usually quite quite similar to you. I actually try and do New Year's resolutions, but I think reality has hit in that I never stick by them. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we, we, we sit down, we, we plan and we try and set certain goals to achieve in 2021. So that's what I've been doing as well. But also reflecting back on previous years and just kind of being thankful for what I've achieved so far and trying to enter 2021 with a heart of gratitude. Nice, man. Absolutely. Gratitude is so important, man. And yeah, man. So, to, you know, a massive welcome to all of our listeners as well. Congrats to you. You've all made it here 2021. So happy new year to all. And as ever, thank you very much for tuning in and supporting. And seeing as it's a new year, perhaps think about uh, one new thing you can do to help share what we do here. So if you haven't shared to a certain friend that you want to do, share this podcast to them, man, and let's get this thing moving. So, um, Jax, I guess on my side, as I said, when I'm doing uh, goal setting for the year, I look at different areas of, of, of one's life, in it? So from my faith to my health to education, I believe education is ongoing, whether it's formal or informal. Um, what else do I look at? Um, relationships, family, all of that stuff and beyond, um, business so and career, as I said. So I break things down quite a lot. Um, obviously, yeah. this is a finance podcast. One of the areas that I do touch on is around um, finances. You know, we, we all have our, well, some of us might have our, you know, five, 10 year goal, but we've also got to break that down over the course, course of the year. Um, so even touching on that, really, what would be good for this this is another bite-sized um, episode, so to speak. What will be good is it's 2021. So just want to touch on, you know, talking a bit more about what can people do to ensure they're getting their finances in order for this year and beyond. So, um, yeah, so it'll be good to walk through that. And we can probably start from the beginning to p- perhaps the end so we can catch people on wherever they are on their journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, um, I'm with you and I do exactly the same thing as you would know as being one of my accountability partners. Um, So yes, you know, finance is an area that is very important to our our daily lives and our future lives and that kind of stuff. And so, yes, I've been um, doing the same thing, um, setting up my own goals and and trying to achieve them. Um, So if you want to kickstart, you know, one thing I would say is we need to be, be very mindful and to be very still to remember 2020. <laughs> I know so many people want to forget about 2020, but I think 
yes, you know, we can learn certain lessons from 2020. Um, and some people were already aware of some of the financial lessons we should have been aware of before we experienced what we experienced. But I think 2020 really highlighted some of the potential issues we can face by, you know, not being so financially aware. Mm. The first thing is something we speak about quite often, which is budgeting. Hmm. And, I, and I say over and over and over again, that budgeting is at the forefront of all types of personal finance. You can't, you can't have a personal finance life or you can't be successful financially, whether it's if, even in business, if you do not budget, right? So many financial professionals uh, or investment gurus or, or business, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, what do you call them? B business gurus or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of these people will all tell you that you need to budget, whether mm. it's in your personal life or within your business, right? You need to be able to tell your money where it's going. And at the end of the month, you need to know exactly where your money has gone. So the first thing I will, <laughs> before anything starts, you need to actually get that budgeting spreadsheet out and actually be intentional with telling your money where to go and actually budgeting for the, the year coming ahead. Uh, absolutely. And um, I was going to ask how best do you like to, I guess, um, lay out your budget? Is it usually on an Excel spreadsheet for you then? So for me, I've got an Excel spreadsheet, but um, <laughs> how do I put this? I've, I've, I'm so aware of the spreadsheet that's yeah. actually stuck in my head now. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, I definitely um, hear that. Yeah, it's, it's something that, yes, you can go on a spreadsheet and you can adjust and that kind of stuff, but I'm very aware of where my money is going because I've been doing it for such a long time. Mm. Now, if I have something, if I have a very, very specific type of goal, right? Again, to reach a goal, you need to budget. If I have a very, very specific financial goal, then that needs to go on a spreadsheet mm. because that needs to be very, very detailed, right? And, and, you know, because I've had a budget and I've been using my budget for so long, I know where my money is going to go. I've got certain automation things set up mm. that I don't even need to record in a spreadsheet because it's done automatically. Mm. Let's go into a bit more detail about some examples. I know... Usually when people set up a budget, you're going to have the usual sort of, I guess, budget line. So your bills, um, yep. car insurance, yep. all of that stuff. What are some of the things that sometimes we, what would be good to actually have, but we don't always usually have on our budget line? So you mentioned automation. Can you go into a bit more detail as an example, what that might look like? Yeah. So, you know, as we said, using especially we've got things like bills and that kind of stuff. So I'm never talking about those things because you should know about those things already. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about being intentional with things like having play money. That's something mm. I've worked on um, much more in recent years because historically I was very aggressive with saving and I mm. didn't really have, I wasn't intentional with um, the money that I was going to use for leisure, mm. right? So I've intentionally now created an automated system where every single month money moves away from a current account to a different current account and that current account is purely for leisure. Mm. so that's a that's the, one of the best examples i can give amazing so that eventually adds up over the course of the months and so on you can put that into whatever holiday or whatever you want to do but you know you've been budgeting every month towards that essentially exactly yeah, peter yeah, and yeah, yeah. and you don't feel guilty exactly. so yeah. we have different we have different financial types of people you've got people that are natural savers mm. you've got people that are natural spenders right i'm a natural saver mm. and so what happens is if i'm not intentional keywords i keep using over and over again if i'm not intentional with 
moving money into the play um, account, what will happen is I will consistently, consistently save mm. and not be intentional about even having fun sometimes. That's right? it, man. And, mm, and when I do, I feel guilty. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I might yeah. go overboard. <laughs> you yeah. know, I might, I might, you know, just go, just wild out, you know? Yeah. Go so, all guns blazing. All I fully guns blazing. That. All guns <laughs> and, blazing. And as we always say, you know, when it comes to finance, there's a few things you want to make sure you're doing it, protecting it um giving giving to people we need to get into the habit of uh giving saving slash investing and then finally enjoying in no particular order depending on where you want your life those ratios will vary but you gotta enjoy the fruits of your labor man precisely precisely i not feel guilty about it that's it that's it so, so um, that's an example of an automated system Fantastic. Um, is there, uh, do you do anything like, because um, obviously some people have like things like side hustles and things like that. Do you put in a budget line for perhaps um, upcoming tax that you might need to pay and things like that? Or how do you, how yeah. do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, yes, because, um, you know, aside from being an individual, <clears throat> sorry, aside from being an individual, I've also run a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And so the side hustle requires certain payments um, mm-hmm. such as tax, self-assessments and that kind of stuff. Again, it is part of business planning. Budgeting is, is at the forefront of financial planning and mm-hmm. business planning. So you need to be intentional. You need to get a pen and paper out. With my business, I'm more of a pen and paper kind of guy, mm. right? Whereas with my personal finances, because I've been doing it for so long, it's all in my head. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, when it comes to the business, yes, I have to get the spreadsheet out and plan. And, you know, business is different. As an individual, um, I know how much I'm going to get paid every single month, right? Because mm. I'm an employee. But also, so which which actually means I can budget much more easily because I know the numbers off by heart, mm. right? Whereas with business, I can't tell you how, I'm going, how much I'm going to make every month. You know, I can set goals, but I might not be able to achieve those goals some months and some months I might supersede those goals. Mm. So with the side hustle, I need to be much, much, much more aggressive and detailed when I'm doing a financial plan. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay. So you, you right now, 2021 for our listeners. And um, if you're not at that stage yet, key thing you need, needs, need to kick off with a budget. You can find some online. There's loads of templates um, where you can uh, get some online as well. And um, if you're, if you're not able to put one together yourself as well. So Jack, so those that have already got a budget, I've been playing around with it. Of course, you need to get into the habit of actually trying to stick to it. One month might not, you might not be on budget as, as uh, well as you would have liked, but then that's a learning for adjusting figures the next month and so on. So once they've gone to the hang of that, what's next? Well, Peter, it really does depend on what you are trying to achieve and mm. where you stand within your financial journey. Okay, so as I said, budgeting is the beginning of everything um, and it should fit as to what you're trying to achieve. Now, if you are someone who's at the very beginning or early stages of your personal finance journey, it could be that you're starting with a bit of debt. Mm. Okay, now there's different types of debt and the kind of debt I'm going to speak about is not necessarily the debt you have with a student loan. Mm. And it's not necessarily the debt you have with, with mortgages and that kind of stuff. I'm talking more about consumer debt. Mm. So the debt you have with that credit card, the, the, the store cards, <laughs> you know, the, the overdrafts, mm. those kind of debts. In my humble opinion, and I'm sure you agree, Peter, within your budget, you need to be intentional about how you can clear this off, mm. right? And it needs to make sense. It needs to be realistic. Um, and yeah, and, and that's the beginning right 
Yeah. I think on a personal level, that's what I would do. I don't, I'm not sure about you, Peter, but for me, that's the beginning stages. I would focus much more on playing out the deck. Absolutely. Likewise. Um, and if when you're, and that's the exciting thing about budget, you can look at how to perhaps make much more than the minimal payments as well. And uh, when you're, when you're sort of uh, clearing debt, uh, Jacks, of course, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that as well, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, now, it depends on who you are as a person. Now, there are two strategies that I'm aware of. Um, one is called the avalanche method and the mm -hmm. other is called the snowball method. Mm -hmm. Now, the avalanche method just says, if you're someone who has multiple debt um, with different, you know, let's say you've got overdrafts and you've got credit cards here and there, what you should do is you should lay them out from the biggest to the smallest and also look at the one that charges the highest interest. Mm -hmm. Now, what you would do is you will pay off the biggest one that charges the highest interest first. Mm. That's the one you attack um, because, of course, mathematically, it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's the avalanche method. And you continue to, you know, once you pay off the first one, you move on to the next biggest one of the highest interest and so on and so forth. That's the avalanche method is mathematically correct. It makes sense. Mm. The alternative is to use a method called a snowball effect where again, you lay out all your debts down, but rather than doing it from the highest interest or the largest debt first, you do it with the smallest um, magnitude of debt first, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then you attack that one and it's, it's easier. It's easier because it's the smallest one, right? Mm. You attack that one first. And the reason why this could be a better alternative than the avalanche method, even though the avalanche method makes more sense mathematically, is because personal finance is in my opinion, about 70% psychological, mm. right? If you are able to pay off that first day, guess what will happen? You start to build momentum, mm. right? You start to build momentum and you start to feel as if, do you know what? This can actually be done, okay? Mm. So that's what I suggest for most people. Most people is to actually sit down and start off with the smallest debt first, get rid of that debt as soon as possible, build that momentum. And once you get rid of that debt, continue adding the same amount of money that he was paying on the smallest amount of debt into the, the second biggest and continue that way. Mm. I think that's the best way to go about it, but it really does depend on you as a person. Absolutely agreed. Um, and what about uh, the question that you might get back, Jax? Um, but I need this credit um, or debt because it's going to help me build up my um, credit score. Well, the first and foremost, the answer is you don't need it. Um, <laughs> you know me, I don't really play with the whole... Um, excuses stuff no you, yeah. you don't need it that's that's the key word you don't mm. need a credit card to build up your credit score um and you have to be true to yourself mm. again this is one of my phrases that i use quite often be true to yourself be honest with yourself right do you actually need the credit card and if, if you say you need a credit card to boost your credit score okay fair enough but be true to yourself again are you mm. saying it because you want to build up your credit score or do you want to have access to credit so mm. that you can go and do the same same things that were causing you to be in debt in the first place mm. okay um so yes that's a simple answer peter you don't need a credit card to build up your credit score you can and it does help right if you are in a position to actually do so i say you should only have a credit card if you don't need it <laughs> if that i would hear that yeah definitely right? hear that um <laughs> so Yes, PR. No, you, you do not need a credit card um, to boost up your credit score. There's other means of boosting up your credit score. Cool, fantastic. So, again, someone's uh, gone on, maybe done the avalanche or the snowballing um, method. Um, you know, and as you said, when you've listed them out, you may see that it's going to take 
one year, it might take two years, it might even take up to five years to pay off, but you've got a clear plan of how you're going to do that. Um, and obviously it goes without saying, um, everyone's in different circumstances, but um, for anyone that's in situations where it's just absolutely uncontrollable, there are of course loads of organisations out there, your local citizen advice bureau and charities um, out there yeah. that actually help um, people um, on the more, I guess, emotional side of things as well. So if it is anything like that, I'm sure you're getting the um, support and help you need. Um, and of course, we're based in the UK, so we just mentioned uh, loads of things based on uh, the UK, but I'm sure there'll be relevant services in different countries. So um, let's say someone's uh, got their plan, they've been working, they're working. And some people even in 20, at the end of 2020, especially after the year we've had jacks, um, yeah. for some people, I know it's been a terrible time for some people, job-wise, but for some people it's been an amazing year. They've been saving more because they're not spending money on travel, they're not spending money on them daily coffees that they just take every single morning, mm. all of that stuff. Um, so some people have an amazing year, they've paid off loads of their debt. They probably ended Christmas by paying off their final debt. So let's say they've done that now. Mm. What's next for them people, for those groups of people, or for those people that are going to eventually pay off their debt? Well, first and foremost, congratulations mm. on paying off your debt. That's big, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's huge. It's huge. The financial burden that comes with um, mm. bad debt is, is, is terrible. So congratulations on being able to achieve that if you've managed to pay off all your, your terrible debts. Mm. Um, the next stage, um, and I talk about this all the time, is to create what we call an emergency fund. Now, um, there's different terms given to, the, to it. I don't actually call it an emergency fund, to be mm. honest. I tend to call it my cash reserve. <laughs> I hear that. You're thinking that, like a business. That, that's, that's me. That's, you know, I, I, I see myself as a, as a business. So um, you can call it your cash reserve. You can call it your emergency fund. You can call it your contingency fund, whatever. What I'm trying to say here is you need a buffer. You mm. need some savings. And those savings are there to create that financial stability, that financial peace in case anything goes wrong, mm. right? Now, the year we've just had highlighted just how easily things can go wrong, just how easily some people can lose their jobs and, and mm. so on and so forth. So what a lot of professionals say, a lot of financial coaches and, and so on and so forth will say, you need to have at least three months to six months worth of your... Um, expenses saved up in a savings account mm. right so if you spend a thousand pounds every every month um, and, that's, and that's your expenses you need to have at least three thousand pounds saved in a bank account for emergencies only mm. or up to six thousand pounds if you're doing six months mm. now whether you choose three months or six months is up to you i see you can choose whatever you feel comfortable with but don't go beyond a year mm. all right of course this all depends on your personal circumstances and other things you're trying to achieve but you probably don't want to go above a year due to, and we could talk about this a bit in a bit more detail if you want, Peter, but that's when we start talking about, you know, the opportunity cost of just savings. So we start mm. talking about investing and that kind of stuff. So I'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, so I would say don't go above a year of just having cash saved in a, in a standard account. Um, and there's different ways to save cash. The most important thing to think about is having um, an account that's easily accessible, right? Because that's why it's called an emergency fund. You need to be able to access it anytime you come across some sort of hardship. So it could be you lost your job. It could be that your car's broken down and you can't repair it. So you need to buy a new car. Do you know what I mean? It mm. needs to be something. It needs to be something of some decent size that can get you through hardships 
so that you know if you lost a job you still have three months that you can or up to six months or more that you can actually live to some extent quite comfortably without having to take out debt going back mm. to that same side going backwards to um places where we don't want to be mm. and i think it's so, so important i always say emergency fund is literally just expecting different seasons to happen so you've got your summer you've got your winter you've got rainy when it rains and your emergency fund is essentially your umbrella so you don't get wet and um yeah so it's so important to have that buffer in place as you mentioned and sometimes we also like to think well no these emergencies are not going to happen I f you know we need to, it goes back to what you're saying about being true to yourself it's never going to be oh, a oh, summer yeah yeah, it's gonna happen. Like we're hundred percent, we're hundred percent con, uh, con <laughs> certain that a rainy season is going to happen in all of our lives. Let's just yeah. be honest, isn't it? Um, and we need to make sure we've got that thing in place to support with that. Um, so so important. And as you rightly said, you you know you don't wanna three to six months is the general sort of uh, consensus, um, which I'm definitely in agreement with. Anything beyond that, going into yeah and beyond. Um, as you said, the cash needs to be liquid and available and any accounts offering that form of um liquidity is usually sort of a very low interest uh, yes. savers account which you know is essentially losing money in real terms as the years go by due to inflation so absolutely and also um it becomes idle money there's as you said um opportunity cost there's so much more that you can be doing with that money um yeah. outside of the emergency fund um yeah. so yeah so you know we've built up you said that as an example of your expenses is uh 1k um and then you built up your 3k over a few months over the um a year or whatever um you've got your 3k so you've got your buffer period it's there if any emergency happens you're ready yeah i, I would say one thing though if the emergencies happen and trust me they do happen um make sure you replace it mm. that's something I, I, a lot of my um clients you know try and you know get away with mm, they, mm. they use some of the emergency money and they don't replace it mm. replace it as soon as you use it as soon as you can basically um, so basically the next time you your next month whatever when you budget it goes straight back into filling up your emergency fund yeah yeah and, and also I, I get a lot of questions you know of people asking me oh you know what's the best place to have my emergency fund should i have mm. it in um, a savings account should i use some of these higher interest ones mm. um should i use it as a cash um there's something called a cd mm. um certificate of deposit all these money market instruments um the truth is it doesn't matter mm. <laughs> because the kind of environment we're living in right now is a low interest environment anyway mm. once you're having it in a very liquid type of account the interest is going to going to be low mm. and remember that is not the purpose of your emergency fund the purpose of your emergency fund is not to earn interest it's to mm. there is there as your umbrella as you said so don't be so um, bogged down on on the interest. That's it. So it doesn't it's, it doesn't matter if it's losing money in real terms. That's not the purpose of it. We're not trying to grow it or anything like that. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, you you you've got that now. So um, yeah. So that's been uh, saved up. We've got the emergency fund. Your free six k or whatever your expenses are per month. What happens after? We're excited. We've got some money in the bank. Well, uh, secondly, congratulations again. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, actually, I'm going to stop you on there, Jax, because um, you say congratulate. Yeah. How can you actually make stuff like this a bit more fun? Because rightly so, it's a big achievement, man. Being putting up to a plan, sticking to whatever those figures are, and everyone, it's personal to everyone, but it's a bigger achievement for getting to that. How can you actually make it fun 
other than guys on podcasts saying congratulations? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, the best thing that's ever worked is, you know, I like to celebrate with friends um, mm. and I like to share my achievements with, with mm. close friends and, and accountability partners. So for me, having yourself, Peter, and a few mm. of our close friends as accountability partners really makes it fun for me. It boosts mm. my confidence. It, 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 it makes me accountable. And it, it's, it's a nice feeling to say, Peter, guess what? I've managed to do this, mm. you know? And to share that experience with friends is one of, for me is the best way to make it fun. Um, Absolutely, because I get yeah. to say you're taking us Nando's and things like that. As well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, for me, having that shared experience is, is second to none, and that's what makes it fun for me. Mm. Fantastic, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree, man. Um, putting time for celebrating and recognizing your achievements as well. Uh, so yeah, so Jax, uh, I guess what's next after that? After you've got your emergency fund. Yeah, so um, moving on from that that stage, and, and just fun fun fact, I remember the first time that I was in this position uh, where I had paid off all my bad debt and I had an emergency fund in place. The financial peace that comes with that, guys. That feeling, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Even the it's, way that I walked in. <laughs> it's called freedom, Jack. <laughs> Listen, I was, I felt free. Like, to the shackles off my piece of like this, I felt so free. Like, so... Um, <laughs> bondage chains Listen. broken oh my gosh i was yeah, so man. happy so again just a massive congratulations congratulations when you get yeah. there the next step is very exciting um is probably my favorite step which mm. is now your money needs to work for you mm. all right your money you know you've worked for your money you, you've paid off your bad debts you've created uh, an emergency fund you're, you're you're financially at peace but now you need to get to that stage where you can be possibly one day financially independent and financially free. And you can only do this by making your money work harder for you. So mm. now we're talking about investing. Mm. Um, now, when it comes to investing, it's, there's so many opportunities out there. And there's different types of assets you can put your money into. There's five asset classes. And I'm, I'm sure I spoke about it on one of our very early um, episodes when I yeah. spoke about Oh, you can have equities, we're talking about stocks and shares. Um, you can have things like bonds. You can invest in, of course, a very popular one is real estate. Um, we're talking about property and land. Um, there's alternative asset classes as well. So we've got things like commodities. Here we're talking about gold, silver, oil. Um, and I'm sure even even Bitcoin can can make its way into this um, mm. asset class. We're gonna have an episode on cryptocurrency, so listeners, do make sure you tune out for that as well. But go yes. and say, Jax. Yeah. Yes. yes. So here, I mean, it depends on who you are as a person. It depends on your knowledge base. It depends on a few things. You, you get some people that speak to uh, financial advisors or investment advisors mm. um, to get to get you know information on how best they can structure an investment portfolio. You got people that um, know how to do it themselves and are willing to learn how to pick stocks or invest in funds. Mm. There's no right or wrong answer. What I would say is two things. I, on a personal level, Peter, I think everyone should learn it because it's interesting. Mm. It's something that they can pass on to their children. And so on and so forth so learn about the different asset classes learn which one you are most interested in have a well diversified portfolio mm. and understand that some asset classes are easier to get into and provide you with liquidity like stocks and shares or 
under this term we call them paper assets mm. um but also you may take an interest in a different asset class so a lot of our friends and and family um will be interested in in property so mm. if this is an area that you're interested in then you can you can do so so yeah peter that's that's the key the next step is to try and make your money work harder for you by investing in various different assets i believe in investing a wide well-diversified portfolio of assets, including all the asset classes. So including um, stocks and shares, including funds, mm. including property, and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And I think that that's the that's the key thing. I think when you've got a diverse, well-diversified portfolio across these different asset classes and they're bringing you returns constantly over time and that starts compounding and compounding and as the years go by that's just building and building and then your children are also learning and you're passing that information to them and you're literally creating generational wealth so essentially you know once you've 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 gone past and i'll speak a bit more about i will say probably the in-between stages of that but once you've gone past that you've gotten to that level you're then as you said, they're really excited that you're in a position where you can actually just start putting your pots of money in different investments, which is amazing. Yeah, because, you know, the thing about investing is, and I, and I said this stage is where it gets a bit more complicated or this is where some people struggle with because there's a, I would say there was a lack of financial inclusion um, mm. historically as to how to even get access to brokers that will, you know, even allow you to invest with them um, mm. unless you had large sums of money. But thank the good Lord God, that you know technology has allowed um, a lot of financial inclusion such that me yourself and anyone has access to um, investment markets and financial markets at a very mm. low cost mm. you know you can use robotic advisors um, such as nutmeg and, and these guys and they charge a very very small fee and you can invest very very small amounts so i don't think anyone has an, an excuse right now as to how you know as to why they don't invest i think mm. they should um, but what I will also say is for people to be very careful to understand what investing actually is. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, on a personal note, it took me a good, I'll say six to like 15 months of just learning and observing and researching and learning from others before I really got into And I'm still learning so much. Uh, there's so much I don't know, even after about five years of being in this. But yeah, it took me a while to really get in, getting books, et cetera, and learning. But I was doing that whilst walking through some of the stages that you've spoken about. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I definitely agree that's so important. And Jack, so I guess once you've got the emergency funding, before even going into in, in, in investing, people are always... You know, everyone has something that they want to save towards, whether it's a, a car, even to their first property, residential property. How do you mm. sort of, I guess, manage that in between state? Because that might, you may not want to put in your money into an investment to get a return so you can put into your first property because you don't know what's going to happen to that investment. Or same with yes. if you want a car, all of that jazz. Um, what do you work around that? Some people might get a car in finance because they believe mm. they've got the savings now to play around with that if that makes sense so yeah what's your thoughts around that okay so if you spoke to myself or a financial coach a good one anyway or a financial advisor yeah what we'll say um after the emergency fund stage is three things and i speak about this when i specifically talk about investing think about what your objective is what's the actual objective of what you're trying to achieve whether you are saving towards a home or whether you're investing towards something that's number one Number two, you need to understand the risk associated. So if you are saving for a specific thing, like a house, right? And you plan to buy that house within, let's say a couple of years, you can't take a specific type of risk with that money. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. You're, you're better suited keeping that money in, in a liquid account, like a savings account, mm. right? and taking no risk. Because in my humble opinion, if your time horizon, right? And that's actually the third element. If your time horizon is less than three years, mm. or on average five years, but we can squeeze it down to three years, but on average five years, if your time horizon is less than five years, the truth is you probably don't want to take investment risk. Mm. Right? You want to keep it in a less risky asset class, which is cash, which is a mm. savings account. Okay. But it all goes back down to what we first spoke about, Peter, which is budgeting. Mm. Right. And that's why I said again and again and again, budgeting is at the forefront of all financial planning. Right. Because within the budget, you can tell your money where to go. Okay. And if you plan to buy something specific, whether you're trying to buy a new car or you, you want to buy a home and that kind of stuff it needs to fit within the budget. And again, it needs to make sense. Mm. I would suggest potentially speaking to a financial coach like myself or speaking to, um, some people choose to speak to professional financial advisors. Mm. Um, some people try and learn how to do it themselves. It, it really does depend on what you want to do. I, I suggest a financial coach. Mm. And we can help you actually sit down and create a budget um, that actually makes sense because yes, budgeting could be easy in the very early stages, but when it comes to the more complicated stages where we talk about investing and that kind of stuff, you might want to speak to someone who's a bit more experienced and educated in that area. Mm. Um, so that's when we talk about specific products like, like lifetime ices, you know, mm. um, and help to buy ices and that kind of stuff. If you want someone who wants to, you know, buy a home within a specific time period, sorry, um, let's say it's more than three years, then I would say potentially look at the lifetime ISO as long as you're between the ages of 18 and 39. That's where you can really take advantage of professionals because then they have the expertise to really guide you in the right area and then you can work on a budget. Um, and you mentioned things, uh, some financial products um, on ISAs. Do you check out our episode on ISAs Explained? If you haven't, make sure you check that out as well. Um, but yeah, Jax, I think when you look Look at that uh, plan, so to speak, for 2021 in terms of getting our finances in order. I think we, you, you, you pretty much touched on it. Is there anything? I've got one sort of personal question to you, but before we do that, is there anything else you want to add on to everything we've gone through? Um, not really. I mean, look, it all goes back down to the first part, just budgeting and being true to yourself. Find mm. yourself an accountability group if you are comfortable sharing your finances with friends or family. Mm. And, you know, just work towards it and be true to yourself. Fantastic. Awesome. Really appreciate that, bro. Um, actually, sorry, yeah, Peter, can, I, can I add one more thing? I yeah, of course. To say this. And I think actually this is extremely important now, and I'll probably speak about it when I speak about my own personal goals for 2021. Mm. You, you can set yourself yearly goals, but one thing I'm very big on now is to break them down break mm. them down into shorter and more digestible chunks because one of the kind of challenges I had historically is I used to set myself yearly goals and I'm one of those people when I set goals I almost can't think about anything else but mm. to achieve those goals and mm. so I become very aggressive and impatient with trying to achieve those goals those goals might be only achievable by November 2021 yeah. but because I've set those goals I'm so aggressive with it I almost can't think about anything else and mm. I try to even before November I might achieve it in July and that's what happened to me last year mm. so it's for me it's about being a bit more relaxed um, a bit more realistic and breaking them down I've chosen to do it into quarterly goals now rather than um, yearly goals set yourself years um, goals quarterly and you can even break them down to monthly weekly etc 
Nice, a small, sizable chunks. But equally, if you, you you set the goals, you've worked towards them. If for whatever reason you haven't achieved it, it's really not the it's the you know it's not the end of no one's world. You're still going to live another day. We just keep it moving and try and achieve the next time and make it a bit more realistic. If it wasn't realistic, precisely. That's it. Definitely no sweat if you don't um, come to the end of the year, month, it's not achieved. Um, okay, cool. So, Jax, before we close up, we've obviously 2021. I'll ask you if you don't mind sharing one of your personal goals um, with us. And I'll do one. I'll do one for myself as well. Yeah, so um, one of my personal goals is, um, and this is on a yearly basis, I always try to maximise my ISO allowances. As I've previously mentioned, I love having a stock and shares ISO is my preferred investment um, financial product. Mm. And so one of my goals is to maximize the allowance before April the 5th, which I believe is the end of the tax year. Mm. Um, and then to continue depositing new money into the stock and shares ISO from April the 6th to try and take advantage of the next um, ISO allowance. Um, I also want to buy a property this year. <laughs> so that you've that just put my... out into the atmosphere. You're gonna get loads of people coming to your Instagram. <laughs> we don't know you, but I've listened to this at the end of the year. They'll be like, "Yay, did you buy a property or no?" Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've always thought about buying a property, but it wasn't my main um, investment goal. Yeah. Well, while while was, it was always at the back of my mind. I've always preferred to put my money into liquid assets mm. um, and assets that I understand, um, you know, which is stocks and shares. That's my, that's where my um, professional background comes from. Mm. And so that's where a lot of my money goes. But this year, I think it's time. Uh -huh. I think it's time Mr. Jack's financial got himself <laughs> a property. So that's, that, those are my main two kind of financial goals. Um, remember, on my personal finance journey, I've gone past the stages of um, clearing my bad debts. Mm. Um, I've gone past the stages of having an emergency fund. And so for me, I'm at the investing stage of my, of my personal finance journey. And so, yes, whilst I continue to invest in liquid assets, um, like stocks and shares, I also want to get myself into a, a property as well. So those are my main two goals. Amazing. Thanks for sharing, bro. I think for me, um, police, uh, and I know you've got loads of different, but those are just like two of them. Um, similarly for my side, so I guess the one thing I'll probably, I'm happy to share is, um, so 2020, I spent quite a lot of time planning for, I guess, the next 15 years, so to speak. <laughs> and when I say that, so, um, and I've always wanted to do this at some point, but I want to build up a nice, healthy uh, dividend portfolio. So um, I have um, different portfolios, whether it's a growth portfolio. When I say oh, dividend, wait, I mean... I didn't know you wanted to be, to be that specific, Peter. No, 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 no. You, you can, yeah. you can t touch on um, as you want. But yeah, so yeah, from, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to talk numbers or anything, but um, so I want to build a nice dividend portfolio. So in the next... 15 years or so after I've been contributing to it um, and obviously reinvesting the dividends and that compounding and yep. it starts uh, paying me out a decent sum um, which will contribute to my uh, I guess expenses and living um, but obviously that needs to build up over time and um, so obviously I've got a specific amount that I want to contribute to that particular portfolio um, and with with investing obviously you was mentioning time horizons like um, five years sometimes it's a bit um, you know when you put money away knowing that you're not going to touch or see that for the next 15 years 
different thoughts can cross your mind, but it's about trying to understand how this fits into your finan- uh, your objectives as well. Yep. Um, I want to be have a diversified portfolio, so I want to have income coming from different streams, and that's one of them, the dividend portfolio. Yep. So, yeah, so I have a particular goal I've got this year, and I've done fairly okay last year, probably helped by the pandemic. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest, um, but this year I want to equally match that. Um, so, yeah, so that's definitely one of my... Uh, financial goals that I have uh, this year but yeah you, you 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 sounded like you wanted to touch on something even more specific on your side well I mean, I mean we're talking stocks so I can get specific <laughs> no so, so, with one more before we wrap up <laughs> okay 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 so um I probably should plug my youtube channel on this as well so um the youtube channel is called Jack's Financial TV that's Financial TV and essentially on there I actually have two public portfolios Um, So one is a dividends portfolio, similar to what Peter's trying to achieve, where we invest in companies or I invest in companies um, that pay dividends. um, And my plan is to continue doing this for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Well, basically, (laughs) in perpetuity. (laughs) Um, And essentially, similar to Peter, the goal is to um, one day be able to live off the cash flow that that account provides. So that's um, one portfolio which I'm doing on Trading212, the platform. And I actually do this on the YouTube channel so you can see what I'm doing. And then I've also got an, another portfolio, which is a growth portfolio. Now, the, the mindset there is a bit different. Essentially, what I'm looking for is companies that are growing at a very rapid pace. They're growing a revenue line very, very quickly. And to be honest, I'm looking for the next, you know, 10-bagger or the mm. next. When I say 10-bagger, I mean the company that's going to be the next Facebook of this world or the next Amazon of this world. Mm. Companies that can really grow your capital um, from, let's say, 1,000 to 10,000 in, in 10 years, for example. Um, and that's what I'm trying to achieve in a growth portfolio. And I'm doing this simultaneously, both in a growth portfolio and a dividends portfolio. The truth to be told, <laughs> and I'm being transparent here, is this year is going to be difficult because I have different goals as well outside yeah. of my YouTube channel. So to like grow, um, yeah, like trying to buy the property, which I'm now I'm scared I put that out there because, the <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so um, it's, it's going to be difficult to contribute a lot of money to those portfolios and save up for property. But look, it's, it's something that if I put my mind to, it, I think I can achieve it. So let's see. I'll yeah. let you guys know. <laughs> Absolutely, Jax. And so Jax, just to, um, if you don't mind, can you give an example of how the growth and um, dividend investing that you mentioned is likened to, I guess, property investing, just to give, I guess, our listeners a bit more of a, an example or context to what you mean when you talk about dividend and uh, growth investing? Um, so when we invest in dividends, it's we're investing for cash flow. Okay, that's the key. We're investing mm. for cash flow. Dividends are a way for the companies we invest in to distribute cash back to the investor. Um, and so if I liken that to property, it's similar to investing in a cash flowing property. Okay, mm. it's similar to investing, let's say, up north, let's say somewhere in, in north of England, um, where the property price might not be high, but it generates a nice cash flow rental mm. income. So that's, that's the similarity between cash flow investing when it comes to dividends and buy-to-let property. Um, investing in, in um, the growth portfolio, I liken that to investing in a place that creates capital appreciation for your property, less so than the cash flow. 
So it's like in, in buying a property in somewhere like London where the demand is so high because demand is what demand and supply is what creates um, price appreciation. Mm. And so for property, what creates the price appreciation is if there's a lot of demand for the properties and not a lot of supply. And that's a similar case for um, growth investing where, you know, growth investing is investing in companies that are growing rapidly. And at some point, the only way to really make um, a return is to sell those assets for a higher price to investors who want to buy that, that asset for that higher price, if mm. that makes sense. So yeah, one is for cash flow, one is for capital appreciation. Fantastic. And on that note, just a massive thank you for that, uh, Jack. So for our listeners, there you have it, getting your finances in order in 2021 and beyond. So hopefully that was really useful for you. As ever, please, please do keep sending those questions. And we're getting lovely questions, whether it's on our Instagram or just directly emailing us as well. So keep it up because it keeps us buzzing in terms of what's on the minds of everyone and seeing how we can add value to um, other people's lives as well. So yeah, and do the usual, wherever you're listening to this on, wherever you're listening to this on, hopefully our homes given the new rules, if you're in the UK, um, please like, subscribe, comment and share. And remember all, stay woke.